read the verse, just one verse. So we'll read this verse together, all right? Ready? And hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. Just one verse. Let's do it again, all right? And hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. Simple message tonight, but what a tremendous truth. Obedience confirms our standing. Brother Dean Eisenhower, lead us to the throne of grace. Yes, yes, Lord. Amen. And hereby we do know that we know Him. And you know, it would probably be all right if it wasn't the next few words. If. Now don't blame me. I didn't put the if there. He did. If we keep His commandments. You remember years ago how exciting the words were? And I seem to be a little loud. Maybe maybe it's just me, all right? Um, so, okay. Anyway, remember how exciting the words were once upon a time. And uh, you open the door and it's an exciting world, make believe, and then you turn the corner and pow, reality hits you and you realize and discover that life's a battleground and not a playground. And all of a sudden you realize that you begin to seek something real. And that search for something real is not new. From the, from the very beginning of history, people have, have been looking for something uh, real and satisfying. They look in wealth and they look in thrills and they look in power and they look in learning and even look in religion. And there's nothing wrong with these experiences by themselves with one exception. They never bring real satisfaction. Wanting something and finding something are really two very different things. It's almost like a kid at a fair and gets cotton candy. And you, you bite into it expecting something real only to end up with a mouthful of nothing. And people waste years of their life searching and looking. Some of you are searching and looking for that next thing, that next trip, that next this, that next that, to find something that's real and satisfying only to find that when you get it, it's an empty substitute. Now, the book of John deals with 
how you get saved, salvation. But the book of 1 John deals with how to know that. How is it that we know that what we have is real? Now, would it not be, would you agree with me, would it not be a tragedy to spend your life in church at the house of God and when Jesus comes, he looks at you and says, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I don't know you. Could you imagine any, any more tragic thing that could happen to any one of us? And so tonight, it is with the help of God that as we look at this thing, John, first John wants us to know and have something that is real. I mean, real satisfaction is not going to be found in things, but in a person. And that person is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And you say, but preacher, uh, uh, I, I know him. You know about him. You have some of him. He doesn't have you like He wants to have you, or you would be satisfied. So, but what's the real test? How do we test what's real? I mean, um, I, I love, I, I, I occasionally watch Pond Stars, and people bring all kinds of crazy stuff in there, and, and wild looking, just all uh, very unique stuff. And one of the things that they have to determine almost in, at, at the get-go is, is it authentic? Is it real? Or is it a, is it a fake? Is it a knockoff? And, uh, or is it, a, is it a substitute? Well, I don't know about you. If they're concerned with what somebody would carry in if it's real, I'm real interested is in the salvation I have. Is it really real? So the question begs, how do we test that? Well, the test is really found in just one word, and that is this. The test that determines real faith and salvation is this, obedience. John 14, 15, if ye love me, keep my commandments. The text that we read, and hereby... We do know that we know Him, know Him, if we keep His commandments. We sing that song, Trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. It's a, it's a true song, amen? It's our way. If, if we only knew, church, tonight, how important obedience is and our spiritual happiness, our spiritual health, and our spiritual holiness, it would, it, would, it would blow our minds. But tonight, let me give you four things that obedience, that, I, that four things that are dependent, absolutely dependent on our obedience. It, I'm not here to decide your obedience. That's between you and God. 
Only one I'm going to decide is my obedience. But these four things you don't have apart from obedience. There's no, you're not going to circle around and get them any other way. They only come by obedience. First of all, our assurance depends on obedience. 1 John 2, 5 says this, And whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected, hereby know we that we are in him. The acid test of assurance is obedience. Obedience does two things. Number one, it tests our profession. First John 2, 4, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, listen, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Now you find somebody and you say, well, they, they say, I, I know him, I know him, I'm saved. But they won't obey what God has commanded. Then according to the word of God, they are what? What? Now, if you, if you choose bold enough to say, you know, you're not keeping God's commandments, you know, you're a liar, duck. Amen? Because, but the Bible's so clear. I mean, it's, it really doesn't pull any punches. James 2.18 said it this way. Yeah, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Here's what he said. Two things that display our salvation. Number one, the Word of God bears witness to my spirit that I'm saved. Read the Word of God, you get into the Word of... And I hope you read your Bible, amen. Well, that's, that's elementary. We ought to be reading our Bible. We, that'll be part of our day, amen. But when you read your Bible, the Spirit of God bears witness with my spirit. Hey, how I know that God He's talking about. Second witness is this. My works bear witness to others that I'm a child of God. Something like this. Word of God, God's Word proves that I'm saved, but my works back up my words. My works back up my words. Matthew seven twenty one said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. He that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven... Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Here's what he said, Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Ye that work iniquity. When we're not, when we, when we do a work, that's not because that we love Jesus or for the wrong motive. 
God said that works like iniquity. As aggravating these youngins that sung tonight, she came out and told me, she said she wasn't seen. I said, is your heart right with God? He said, well, Elijah seen. I said, is your heart right? She said, I don't know. <laughs> Obedience to God is an outward assurance of your inward salvation. Charles Finney said this, Revival is nothing less than a new beginning of obedience to God. Now the devil's a master at this. Now I want you to listen to me very carefully. I see this all the time. The devil comes along with a substitute. May I say this? Stewardship is not a substitute for obedience. Now don't miss what I'm about to say. I believe you ought to tithe and be honest with God. I believe you're a thief if you don't. Amen? Now you can call it whatever you want to, but God, you rob God, and that's the end of that. But may I say, there's a lot of people believe that if I give money to missions, if I do this and do this, and yet if God moved their heart and said, I don't want you to give money to missions, I want you to be the missionary. They would say, oh, no, 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 no. No, I'm not going to do that. What you have done is you have placed stewardship as a substitute for obedience. Now, stewardship is good. It's right. It's, it's got all the right painting. It's got all the right flavor. It's got all the right look. But if it's not obedience, then it's a substitute for it. So stewardship can become a substitute for obedience. I, I, I love this illustration. Um, I, I, a lady worked for me, and I mean, and her job was to clean furniture. You've heard me tell the story, and that was her job. And every day, I would be hunting for her. And I said, well, yeah, she was gone to get pillows. Now, it was not, she was doing right, but you know what? That wasn't what she was supposed to be doing. I almost had, had to write her up and threaten to fire her to get her to stay put. Every time I looked around, you know what she's doing? She's just serving, but she wasn't, she wasn't doing what she's supposed to. So service is no substitute for obedience. You can be serving, but not obeying God. Obedience is not doing something for God, but it's doing the right thing for God. Obedience is not doing anything for God. It's doing the right thing for God. And so, substitute, Satan comes along. And stewardship and service even can become a substitute to obedience. Number two, obedience tests our position. And the Bible says... But whosoever keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. These words were found on the walls of a medieval castle. This is what was written. You call me master and obey me not. You call me light and see me not. You call me way and walk me not. You call me life and desire me not. You call me wise and follow me not. 
You call me fair and love me not. You call me rich and ask me not. You call me eternal and seek me not. You call me gracious and trust me not. You call me noble and serve me not. You call me mighty and honor me not. You call me just and fear me not. And if I condemn you, blame me not. My, what a statement. So our assurance, our assurance depends on our obedience. I've never seen it fail. I've never seen it fail. Those that struggle greatly with, a, with, with assurance of their salvation, there's areas they're not obedient in. And here's what's amazing. Most of the time they know what those are. Number two, our attitude depends upon obedience. Verse 5, he uses the word keep. It has the ideal means to closely guard, to cherish as a treasure. Now, it's not just the act of keeping a commandment, but the attitude of keeping a commandment. Um, God does something that nobody else in this room can possibly do, but He does. And that is this. God judges our obedience outwardly, but He also judges it inwardly. As a matter of fact, you can be obedient to God outwardly and yet filled with disobedience inwardly. Now, I've been around here long enough... Here's the term I call it. Silent rebellion. Right underneath the surface. You would never know which there. But in the right prompting, in the right time, in the right place, it comes spewing out of their mouth or hate and, and critical and critical attitude and and, and, and the critic, they, they really are, it comes spilling out the right motive and right time. But they quickly grab it and put it back in because the truth of the matter is, it's silent rebellion. It's an obedient to God outwardly. We, we've all heard the story of a little boy behaving, and his dad said, go sit in the corner. How many ever sat in the corner? Amen. I spent quite a while in the corner anyway. And, uh, and then he goes in, you go sit in the corner. She goes over there and he's got this old grimace look. He says, what's wrong with you? He said, I want you to know I'm sitting down on the outside, on the inside, I'm standing up. You know what? That's exactly where a lot of Christians are. Ah, we're going to go to church. I guess we've got to go to church tonight. No, 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 your attitude ought to be hallelujah. Bless His good name. Praise God. His church time is time to be able to obey God. We find God's not just concerned about our method, but He's concerned about our motive. Now, there's three reasons why people obey. And all of us fall into one of these three reasons. Number one, we obey because we have to. Like a slave obeys his master because he knows if he doesn't, he's going to be punished. So we obey because we have to. Number two, we obey because we need to. An employee obeys because he knows he's got a family to feed and support. So he obeys. 
But here's where God wants us to be. God wants us to obey because we want to. Christians obey because we want to. And you say, how do we get there? The only pure motive for obedience is a love for God. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 5, But whosoever keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. That word perfected means to mature. It means to grow. It means this. The more you love Jesus, the more you desire to obey Jesus. And the more you obey Jesus, the more you love Jesus. One feeds the other. When you love Jesus, you want to obey Him. When you obey Him, my God, He puts you to want to love Him more. So then when you love Him more, you obey Him more. One feeds the other. By the way, that works at the house too. Amen. I'll just move on there though. If you sing in the choir, you all do it because you love Jesus. No matter how good or bad your voice you have. If you teach a Sunday school class, you ought to do it because you love Jesus. It makes no difference uh, uh, how good a teacher or bad. You ought, to, you ought to teach that class for one purpose, one and just one, because you love Jesus. Number three, you ought to serve. Do so because you love Jesus. And if you don't, you won't serve very long. Are you listening? So our assurance depends on our obedience. Number two, our attitude depends on our obedience. If you, if you obey because you have to, you won't do it long. If you obey because you need to, you won't do it long. But if you do it because you want to, hallelujah, it becomes a joy in your heart to obey God. Don't become, don't become uh, the Bible says, take my yoke because it's easy. Serving God's not hard. I, I'm amazed I hear this. Well, they all serve God and it's just, it's just so hard. I just, huh? Now, let me tell you what makes it hard. Here's what makes it hard. It becomes hard when we're trying to hold on all of God, we can get. We want all of God, we can get. But we want all of the world, we can get. And, and, and we're pulling ourselves apart. It is no wonder we're so depressed and so despairing because nobody gets both. No man, no man, no man, that includes you, that includes me. No woman, no woman, no woman, no man can serve two masters. It's an impossibility. And one of the things we're happening, soon happening in this world today is this, is that span now has gotten between God and the world is so far. So here's what we're doing now. We run God on Sunday, but we run here to get the world on Monday. We run back here on Wednesday. We run back. And we're just constantly trying to get all we can and never realizing and never satisfied and never know joy. And you get the world 
And pretty soon, like everything in the world, it deteriorates, tires up. <laughs> I love this. If you're trusting your money, I, I, want, I want to tell you right now, get to loving it a lot. Because the way our world is going now, the dollar keeps dropping more and more. Pretty soon that thing you think you got, it'll be worth nothing. Our attitude depends on obedience. Number three, our abiding depends upon obedience. First John 2, 6. He that saith he abideth. Now here's what he's just saying. Here's what he's just saying. If the world is, if God is here and the world is here, here's, now let's, let's make the world there. Let's make God here. Here's what's he that abideth. I'm going to jump right in the middle of God. He that abideth. What's he talking about? I know the world's there. And by the way, in case you're thinking this, and I bet you somebody is. Well, you know, bless God, we got to pay our bills, and we got to go to work, and we got to do this, we got to do Yeah, I, I, I know that. I, I, we eat at the house. We got a light bill, just like you. Yeah, <laughs> we, we do. We got all those things, just, just like you. But here's what you don't understand. You're running to both these places, and you're not abiding in either one. It's just depending on what day of the week and what's happening and what you want, what you want. But he that abideth, that word abiding, it means that you're going to become part of. It, it, John 15, 5 says it this way. I'm the vine, and ye are the branches, and he that abideth in me. That is a, it is a, it's a branch that's, grafted into that tree till it becomes part of the tree. I love this. And I in him and the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me ye can do nothing. Our abiding is dependent upon obedience. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Abiding comes before action. Worship becomes before working. Fellowship with God comes before faithfulness to God. Demas hath forsaken me, loving, loving this present Evil world. Preacher, why, why, why ain't some here loving this present evil world? We find here that our abiding depends upon Him. I don't, don't miss this. Here's what He says He says that without Him I can do nothing. So if I choose, I'm not going to obey Him. I cannot abide in Him. 
Because he said, if you're going to abide with me, you're going to have to walk with me as I'm walking. God goes the same direction. I'm going. But if we choose not in disobedience, I'm going to disobey God. I don't, I'm going to do my thing. Okay, here's what you do. And, and, and it's so much bigger. Please get this. What you're saying is, I don't need God to help me. For without me, ye can do nothing. What you're saying is, I'll do it myself. I don't need Him. Here's the secret of abiding. The secret of abiding is this, is that everything I do, I'm going to do it because He's going to help me. He's going to help me. If I stay right here, if I choose to obey Him the best I know how, and I stay right here and abide in Him, then whatever we do, He's going to do it with me. Because He said, without me, you can't do nothing. But you know what? We don't believe that because we disobey. We do things and we never pray about it. We never ask God about it. We never, we never give two cents. Don't give God time. Now, here's what we usually do. Once we, we do things, we never ask God about it. And then when it's a mess, oh, God, help me. Help me, God. Now, that's, is that not right? Help me out of the mess that I disobeyed and got myself into because I never asked you to begin with. Well, I should. I worship. You say, but you really, do you really, are you really so, so deep? You believe you're going to ask God for everything? Uh-huh. Yep. Do. Sure do. Thank God I ask God for everything. If you're abiding in Him, and He's in you, you can. Number four. Now, our assurance depends on our obedience. Our attitude depends upon our obedience. I'm just going to throw this out. This is a real good test. Because the love of money is the root of all evil. The, the Bible, that's what the Bible says. Man, if I, I've seen that, mm, how true that is. I wonder. When you get your tithes out on Sunday morning, no, when you get your paycheck, you set your tithe outside. How often do you put it in the envelope and put your name on it? And if you got a number, I don't know what my number is. I'm glad Ronnie does. Put your number on it. But then you look up to him and say, Lord, I just, can I just take a few moments and just praise your holy name that you allow me to work and be able to do this, be able to have a part in this? Or is it like pulling teeth? Then see, that's disobedience. Oh, you're obeying outwardly. You'll gradually do it, but not inwardly. And you rob yourself so much. And attitude depends on our obedience. Our abiding depends upon our obedience. Number four. Oh, this is a big one. Hang on. This is really going to really hit home with some. Our affection depends upon our obedience. He brings our obedience down to just one example. Just one. Verse 8, again, a new commandment I write unto you, 
which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is past and the true light is now shineth. He that saith, he's in the light, and hath his brother, is in darkness even unto now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there's none occasion of his stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whether he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Do you love your brother, Christ? A little boy in Sunday school class, the teacher was just teaching away about love, and she said, Son, don't you, you, you don't hate anybody, do you? He replied, No, I don't hate anybody, but if I do, I got the guy I picked out. <laughs> like some of us. We're commanded to love a brother. And of course, love the Lord. And the fact that love is a command tells us something so important about love. Love's not, not an emotion. Love's not a feeling. It may uh, have those things. But love is an act of the will. Love is a sincere determination that you're going to love others through God and allow God to love others through you. And then act towards them in a loving way. A man came to Dr. Ironside. Let me just give you that again. Love is a sincere determination that you're going to love others through God and allow God to love others through you and then act towards them in a loving ways. Love is an act of the will. A man came to Dr. Ironside and said, Dr. Ironside, I've got a problem. I just don't love my wife anymore. Do you have a solution? He said, yes, sir, I do. Bend over. He said, what? He said, I said, bend over. So the man bend over, and Dr. Ironside gave him a swift kick and a honey in. He said, now go home and start loving your wife. Amen, I like that. Because love is an act of the will. We've allowed the world's sensual, hellish, ungodly love that's built out of lust and nudity and filth to determine our love. We've allowed feelings to determine our love. i tell you this much, and I, I, I hope they don't boo me out. You don't stay married 50 years on a feeling. Are you listening? Now, I know they love one another. And I know the feeling's there. But if that's all they got, it wouldn't have made it. Life hands us enough problems and enough issues that if love is not an act of the will, then the time will come when you say, I don't love that person anymore. Now, I know it's never been Darlene with me, but there have been a few times she's hard to love, amen? I know it's never been that way with me. Amen, I'm done preaching, I'm preaching truth. No, love's an act of the will. That's when hard times, bad times, 
That's when the other person's not lovable at all. But you know, I'm, I'm going to love you. An act of the will. And, and uh, we find here, and so John describes, but then John describes the sad case. And he put it here. I didn't put it here, but he did. Saying that a man that says, I'm saved, but I'm not going to love so and so. Listen to what he said. John described him in three ways, and I'll be done. Number one, a hypocritical man. He that saith he's in the light, and hated his brothers in darkness even until now. He's hypocritical. Why well, say he said, he's saying, I'm in the light, but I hate my brother, and the Bible says he's in darkness. Saddest church, Laodicean church. Jesus said, You say you're rich and wealthy and have need of nothing. He said, you don't even know you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind. And he said, you don't even know how blind you are. So the man says, I'm saved, but I hate my brothers. The hypocritical man. Number two, he's a harmful man. He that loveth his brother abideth in light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Here's what he's talking about. He's talking about every Christian, every Christian, is a stumbling block or a stepping stone. Are you listening? We're either a stumbling block. Every mom and dad sitting right here, now you, you better get a hold of this. You're either a stumbling block to children or you're a stepping stone to Jesus. You're one of the two. A lot of times... People come and I get this request. I'm glad to do so. It's an honor to do so. I kind of an honor to pray for our church. And I do. I love our church. And I kind of an honor to pray for our families. But many times I pray for families while their children stumbling over mom and daddy not doing right and being right. You know why? There's no light on. They're in the dark. I told you this story. I drove through the factory and there wasn't no lights on. They'd run a bunch of ottomans. I went flying through that, you know, like I always go. And man, I'm telling you, I was, I was like a week's wash in the floor in there, just falling all over because there wasn't no light on. But he said, He that sheds in light and, and hateth his brothers in darkness even now, but notice, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light. And here's what he said. He said, if the, light's, if the light's on, you're not going to be a stumbling block. They can see it. If the light's off, I could stumble over this. But since the light's on, it becomes a stepping stone. It becomes a stepping moving him towards Jesus. Harmful man. Number three, he's a hindered man. But he that hath his brothers in darkness and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whether he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. So, love is truly a matter of obedience, and tonight, obedience does those four things. And those four things are all dependent on obedience. Our assurance, our attitude, our abiding, and all as much as anything, our affection, our affection.
depends upon obedience. So I'll stand to your feet.